Welcome to Machine Learning. <clears throat> why has not why has shell why have shell companies not grown wealthy and captured why have US shell oil companies not grown wealthy and captured more of the market by producing more oil? That's the question I want to answer. Um, first of all, the shale production has been a victim of its own success. The problem is that horizontal wells we drill to develop shale plays to, are too prolific, meaning they produce too well. We are pulling out so much oil and gas that the price has tumbled to a point where the shale plays are no longer viable. So we saw how oil companies defended against falling oil prices by reducing the amount of shell production oil, merging uh, with shell oil companies, and using oil derivatives to keep the oil prices from dropping. So as a result, we see high oil prices even at a time when there's a increased abundance of shale oil. Fracking wells were designed to produce oil and gas as quickly as possible so that production would have peaks and valleys on a daily basis. <clears throat> the wells are producing so much oil and gas that low prices that the low prices that the market is willing to pay have not covered the cost of production. So one of the defenses used for keeping oil prices above the $100, $90 a barrel, which has historically been a break-even point, is the usage of renewable energy. Renewable energy keeps the oil and gas prices in the keeps the gas, oil and gas in the ground to maintain a de decent profit margin. The demand for renewables will become a way to reduce the demand for oil and gas as we pull out of the ground, the oil and gas that we pull out of the ground, and can be sold at a price that covers the cost of production and makes a, us prof, U.S. profitable. So the belief by the oil companies and this is probably one of the reasons they support renewables is that they are keep, renewables are keeping um, oil and gas in the ground and keeping their profit margins high. Companies have been spending a lot of money buying up oil and gas leases and drilling rights in the Balkan and elsewhere. And do they develop those lands to produce more oil? Not necessarily. They may be buying up the drilling rights and the lease, uh, leasing of the oil area to reduce the competition and create a barrier. At the same time, if they don't drill and produce oil, how do they get back their money on the investments that they've made for these leases and drilling rights? At the same time, the companies that are selling the leases and drilling rights are not companies that are in the business of building infrastructure. 
the banks are not in the business of lending money to people to build infrastructure that will allow the Balkan producers to get their oil to market. There is a book called um, Rising Power, Shrinking Planet. And in that book, he said the International Energy Agency estimates $5 trillion investment by 2030 for problematic fields in the Caspian Sea Basin the Middle East, Siberia, an increased output will be need to come from tough oil reserves. Okay, so what that tells me is that the area of high tension, which is Caspian Sea, Middle East, um, the war between Russia and Ukraine, these are areas that are tension areas in the world militarily are going to be the same places where they're going to be developing oil. New U.S. oil production by 2030 looks promising. Thunder Horse production started in 2008, producing 250,000 barrels of oil per day. The U.S. consumes over 25 million barrels per day and exports over 340 million barrels per year. The Balkan oil reserves in Montana, North Dakota, and Southeast Sachuquana has an estimated 271 billion to 503 billion barrels of oil. North Dakota oil production will grow significantly. In Mexico, Pemex. You see a lot of Pemex down in Mexico. Pemex expects Chicontempec oilified in Veracruz and Pebble states to reach a peak production of 470,000 barrels a day by 2014. Ultra deep waters of the Gulf, Mexico, Perdodo will operate a surface of 8,000 feet of water and produce as much as 130,000 barrels a day. You know, those are old numbers. And you can almost expect that today that those numbers are significantly higher, maybe reaching into the millions of barrels per day. So let's ask a question. Suppose consumption reached 100 million barrels per day. The greatest difficulty will be that the oil prices will drop because of oversupply. As productions destined to increase due to profits and shortages, oil price controls will be forced to lift and remove and competition use technology and science to increase recoverable oil and bring those supplies to market. You know, that all depends on the political environment. Again, you know, if Trump were in power, he would have built the pipeline and we would have had cheap oil and energy, probably half of what it is today, cost today. Instead, we have got energy dependence on areas of the world that are accumulating great wealth because of high oil prices. Areas like the Middle East. Areas like Siberia, which are very remote, 
very far away, and areas like the Caspian Sea, which is also affected by the war in Russia, uh, with Russia and their civil war. Okay, we haven't built any nuclear new nuclear plants, but these, this is another possibility for producing even cheaper oil from oil like from tar sand. Cogeneration of nuclear energy, electric generation, pumping the hot steam into the sand, tar oil reserves, coal-fire electric cooled water and steam into the oil shell extracting black liquid gold. And coal gasification, ICGG, will produce hydrogen, electricity, and gasoline, bringing cheap oil and gas back to the market. The financial and environmental cost of using synthetic fuels, tar sand, and shell oil are huge, and the current price of oil makes these alternatives now possible. Top oil will open a vast new supply and return the U.S. into a red exporter status. You know, we talked about Armco a couple of days ago, and Armco continues to produce at a phenomenal rate. I think I stated 18 million barrels a day. And so they're producing more than they was estimated by the experts at 15 million barrels per day. And as a result, they're becoming very wealthy and as they're building cities, they're investing their money into the future in trying to create hydrogen-based fueling systems based on hydrocarbons. But you can't see the effect in America yet, the move from gas-based vehicles to hydrogen-based vehicles is not happening at a significant rate. So, again, very wealthy areas of the world that have very little commitment to changing the market. 50% uh, of the current world oil production came from 116 giant fields producing more than 100,000 barrels per day. Those in decline are Gawar in Saudi, Cantarell in Mexico, Bergan in Kuwait. Discovery of new fields produces a self-defeating cycle. Why look for new discovery of easy oil? Tough oil is the future. Yeah, and when we talk about tough oil, we're talking about usage of technology to get that oil out, like shell oil and tar sand oil. Utah has a ton of tar sand oil, but not being used and extracted out in significant amounts. And it makes you wonder why Utah doesn't build a nuclear power plant and use the cogeneration method to produce cheap oil for America. There's plenty of oil in Utah. By 2030, oil, coal, and natural gas are projected to provide 87% of the world energy requirements. You know, we're talking seven years here. And so all the environmental concern about 
the sources of energy being clean, using renewables, is still a pipe dream. 87% will come from oil, coal, and natural gas. Oil production needs to increase for America to remain competitive. Oil production will need to rise by 42%, natural gas by 67 and coal by 74 Time to get moving. Uh, Japan has a large energy deficit. Japan has been calling on national firms to acquire overseas oil and gas reserves. In 2006, Tokyo adopted a new national energy strategy mandating that an ever-growing portion of Japan's oil imports be supplied by Japanese energy firms. The oil volume in exploration and development by Japanese companies will be raised to around 40% by 2030. The move was designed to help Japanese firms compete in, with, in China and India. I think this is a wasteful strategy. In 2030, there should be enough time for Japan, by 2030, there should be enough time for Japan to shift completely into a hydrogen society. And yet, Japan looks like they're not shifting into a hydrogen society, but they're shifting into a, a liquid natural gas society. Instead of investing in new oil development, Japanese firms should invest in black-like quantum power generation, hydrogen production, and millions of fuel cell migrated devices. However, nationalization continues to slow the conversion to a hydrogen society. Gas prices have reached a, a level where the transfer tech of technology is now justifiable. Okay, let's uh, switch for from that idea on how to save Japan, but to nationally owned corporation holding large reserves. This means when you say a nationally owned corporation, this means that the they received support and funding by the government. Okay, we got the big dog, Armco, two hundred and sixty four billion. National Iran oil, one hundred thirty seven billion in the reserves. Iraq national oil, one hundred and fifteen billion. Kuwait Petroleum, 101 billion barrels. Abu Dhabi National Oil Company, 92 billion. Petros de Venezuela, 80 billion. National Oil Corp of Libya, 41 billion. Nigeria National Petroleum, 36.2 billion. I think we're going to see more oil coming out of Africa. Just looks like the Africa is due to become more wealthy. Luke Oil, 16 billion. Qatar Petroleum, 515 billion. Gazprom, 13 billion barrels. Pemex, 12 billion. National, China National Petroleum Corp, 115 billion. Chevron, 8 billion. So where's the oil coming from? The large Middle Eastern nationally owned companies control most of the large oil reserves. Companies like ExxonMobil, Chevron, British Petroleum, Royal Dutch Shell and Total Fire Elf are overshadowed by NOCs. In 2007, Abu Dhabi Dahabi uh, Investment invested 7.5 billion in Citigroup. So they're, they're again 
investing into financial because financial helps fund the projects for building the infrastructure for the oil company. And so they want to have connections into these large financial organizations like Citigroup. Okay, so let's look at coal-fired plants and nuclear plants. Coal-fired plants and nuclear plants will provide electricity supply meeting 2030 requirements. Chinese leaders show a strong preference for coal-fired plants and nuclear. Yeah, China has been the, the, the country to watch for the adoption for nuclear energy. They have a large number of nuclear power plants that have come online producing electricity. China's coal consumption will rise 130% by 2030, accounting for half of the world's consumption. And you have to believe that China is working on creating clean coal energy production if that much consumption is expected in the future. BP believes that there exists 909 billion metric tons of coal in the world. U.S. has 246 billion tons, Russia 157 billion, China 114 billion, India 92 billion, Australia 78 billion, with important reserves in South Africa, Kazakhstan, and Ukraine. China is the largest consumer of coal, 38%, followed by the U.S. at 18.4. So if China is going to increase its coal consumption by 130%, and the U.S. has the largest amount of coal, we can see that coal mining should increase over the next decade for the U.S., and coal exports should increase also. So at a time when there's so much scarcity in terms of uh, resources for energy production, the United States, again, is in strong position with its shell oil, tar sand oil, and coal to be a major resource for China. In 2030, China's projected total energy generation of 8,472 8, trillion watt hours will mean that China will equal the production of the U.S. and European Union combined. China is driving a world commodity boom. Uh, it's consuming aluminum, 31 million tons, iron, 1.5 billion tons, copper, 16.8 million tons. And Deutsche Bank said, the surge in world demand that has contributed to powerful rallies in industrial metal prices in history. In 2006, China Machine Building International Corp. agreed to build three coal fire plants in Zimbabwe in return for chromium and other minerals. In return for $5 billion reconstruction and development loan to Congo, China will gain exclusive access to Congo copper, cobalt, and nickel. China will develop infrastructure in Anak, Afghanistan, to extract copper. Okay, so you have this huge demand for appetite for commodities. It really looks like a commodity boom will occur at a time when there's high inflation. So the war over resource control causes economic hyperinflation and impoverishment. 
And we're seeing this inflation impoverishing us. Contention over limited resource leads to war. Makes you wonder what the, the real battle or the civil war in Ukraine and Russia is about because of the extreme costs, but it must be linked to energy. 